With the NFL Draft just two days away, we'll talk about some positions the Saints need to attack. We'll show our final mock draft, and we'll also debunk some narratives that I see floating around on Twitter regarding the Saints strategy. All that right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. And this podcast, as always, is brought to you guys by the Birdsall Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Boot Crew Media. You can give them a call at 504-523-5413. That's 504-523-5413. So um, there's a lot to get to in terms of what's floating around on Twitter, what everyone's arguing about. But I'm going to just start it off by talking about this recent narrative that I see over the last couple of days. And it's it's not a, a shot at anyone. It's just I just find it fascinating how there's so much discourse about does this guy fit a certain prototype? Do the Saints, you know, if they take a certain player, is that going away from the norm? And the guy that I'm talking to in this regard is Pitt defensive lineman, Kalijah Kansi. And of course, the knock is going to be the short arms. And then the rebuttal to that is going to be well the guy produces and I don't know which side of the coins, right. And I think that's something, at least for me speaking, when I get, as I get older and, and I still got a long way to go in terms of knowing more and more about the game and just the, the overall strategy that goes into drafting. But I've said it before. I've refused at this point to get married to the idea of a prospect. And I also refuse to act like I know everything. When, when I think that I feel you know confident about something, you guys will know, especially, let's say, over the course of a regular season, you'll see how animated I could get. But when it comes to the draft, you got to accept that you don't know what you don't know. And I think when it comes to these prospects, we can fantasize about the idea of how they might be on the Saints, how they might play. But like I said, we just don't know if it's going to pan out. And I've noticed over the last couple of days, when it comes to Kalijah Kansi, there's either the people that think he's going to be the next Aaron Donald, or there's people that think he's going to absolutely stink because he's got short arms. And... Here's my two arguments for both sides. The first one is the Aaron Donald comps have to stop. There is one Aaron Donald. We're lucky enough that we've been able to watch his NFL career. The guy is an, a specimen. He's the he's the type of player that word was made for. He's a special talent. And and guys like that don't grow on trees. If they did, then they wouldn't be it wouldn't be Aaron Donald. He wouldn't be as special if there was a bunch of them. So I just think that's totally unfair to Kalijah Kansi. Imagine saying like oh, could he be the next great defensive lineman in NFL history? That That's just really just unfair to the kid. As for the, the secondary side, look, the short arms might end up being his demise, right, in terms of his reach and uh, getting past offensive linemen at the NFL level. It very well could be. So I understand why people are concerned. But Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner look like they were built in a lab, and I swear those are two of the worst picks the Saints have made in recent memory. And... I know there's going to be people that argue, well, with Marcus Davenport's healthy, he never is. So what the hell does it matter, right? That ended up being a bad pick. And as for Peyton Turner, he's a worse pick than Marcus Davenport was. And if you're going to sit here and tell me no, that's fine. If you need a lot of yourself to make you feel better about what Peyton Turner's done, and it's not a knock on the guy, he seems like a sweetheart. But he hasn't been on the field, and he hasn't produced. And I don't care if you're built like you could be a six foot nine power forward for the Pelicans. If you're not on the if you're not on the field for the NFL doesn't really matter. So we can say prototypes all day and kind of, you know, rant and rave about it till the sun sets and rises in the morning, but who cares? 
The Saints brought in two guys that were built like Greek gods, and they haven't done shit for this team. And the one that did it was really one season, if we're being quite honest. And then guess what? He went right back to his old ways the second year, in a contract year. So I'm not going to slam on any table and tell you I want Kalijah Kansi in a Saints uniform. Because like I said, I'm not married to the idea. You can convince me about 15 different defense alignment. About 15 of them. Heck, uh, one of my good friends on Twitter who has the ranting and raving YouTube page, I'll give him a shout out here. He did a whole breakdown of defensive linemen. I, I messaged him back. I'm like, the way you broke it down and the way I'm not married to a single idea of getting a certain prospect, I said, all right, let me start looking more at this guy's tape and see what he's got to offer because maybe he's an option for the Saints. And I would go check out the video. If I were you guys, if you guys are interested, let me know. I'll, I'll drop the link below. I'm not you know, saying Canty needs to be on the Saints. But if he ends up being on the Saints, I'm really not going to sit here and get mad about his short arms. If that ends up being his demise, we'll talk about it. And I'm sure that would be something that people talk about for years to come. But we're not there yet. And as for the Aaron Donald talk, we should also stop that part. Um, but it doesn't just stop at Kalijah Canty. How about Brian Bercy from Clemson? Boy, is he an interesting prospect because talent's all there. Five-star recruit. I believe he was like the top recruit in his class. And he earned all ACC honors all three years at Clemson. And yet there's kind of the narrative that, uh, you know, like he didn't show me enough. And that is potentially true. I think that when you watch him and you're looking for those positives, those pop and they over maybe weigh the, the moments where you don't really see him stand out. But the measurables are there if we're going to go that route. The production is there. It's maybe not as great as you may have liked it to be, but it's not like the kid didn't produce. And more importantly, if you were expecting some monster 2022 season, I need to add that these these players, these kids, and they're human beings. And no one in college football had a harder year off the field than Brian Bercy. The poor guy lost his sister to a battle with cancer. And, and this is, I believe his sister was 15 years old. And you want this kid to go through that traumatic situation and play to the best of his ability on Saturdays? Doesn't seem right. And it's not just that, man. Injuries are part of the game. He's had a couple of bad breaks there. But if you're telling me at pick 29, the Saints can get a kid who's got all-world talent, all-world size, that's the type of player that you probably convinced me on. I said, yeah, if the Saints draft him, First off, be rooting for whoever they draft anyway. That's the type of guy that if everything works out, all the stars align, he can definitely be special. And I feel that way about him. And again, not saying he's the he has to be the guy. But when you start having uh, talks and, and stuff, I think context is important. The kid played well in college. He just didn't play as well as some may have hoped for a guy who was the number one recruit in his class. Mind you, the fact that he played 2022 through injuries, and with a heavy heart. And that's not easy for anyone, especially a 20-year-old kid. It's not. So, again, not sure if he'll be the pick. But I see some talk about him, and I think a lot of it's warranted. And I'll be honest, if the Saints get Kalijah Kanti or Brian Bercy, I'd be happy with either pick, especially if it would still if they stay at 29 and get one of them. But again, if they move up a couple spots, five, four, four or five spots, and they get the guy, I'm definitely going to also give them credit for that because I like the idea of being aggressive and going for it. But the one theme you will catch from me is that I do think the Saints need to get better on the defensive line. I, I don't like the idea of them not improving that because I've said it and I'll say it again, and this is probably the last time I'm going to say it. 
leading up to the draft. The Saints have a defensive-minded head coach. They've had the biggest splash of this offseason on offense, which they needed to do. It was a bad unit. If they do not get younger, if they do not get faster, if they do not get stronger on the defensive line with a defensive-minded head coach, that seems like just malpractice when it comes to building your roster because the head coach should have enough weapons, enough chess pieces at his disposal that he feels like he's ready to rock. And I don't know if Dennis Allen feels that way right now. And if he told me that, I'd kind of feel like he's lying because I don't think he has enough pieces. And that's not his fault. The roster construction, the way this offseason panned out, wasn't ideal, right? Losing the whole defensive line. But I even thought that they needed to revamp that unit regardless if they kept some guys. So I, I'm a big proponent of you go after D-line, you get younger, you get faster, and you add another piece that could be a rotational guy this upcoming season. And Lord knows the two prospects that I mentioned can absolutely be that. So not sure if that's going to happen, but we'll see if it does. Now, I'm going to talk about one more position I'd like to see the Saints take, and then I'll just talk about a mock draft that I did, and we'll close it out here. Uh, the running back position. One the Saints got to get. And I know that a lot of people think it could be redundant because if Alvin comes back, you still have Alvin and Jamal Williams. But I think the safest way to guarantee that your offense will not be downright putrid this year is making sure you attack the running back position as if Alvin's not there. And it's not a knock on Alvin. Lord knows how I feel about Alvin Kamara. I think he is a special guy. But if you lose him for six games, eight games, whatever the hell it might be, and you know Roger Goodell's just sitting there lounging, maybe a cigar in his hand, thinking about, I got a chance to royally screw the Saints. I can't mess that up. He's done it multiple times. You wouldn't mind doing it again. If you approach it that way, then you get another running back in to help with Jamal Williams over the course of the season. And it's not as if Jamal Williams has to do everything because I'm going to just tell you right now, as much as I like Jamal Williams, if you're asking him to be your plan A, B, and C at running back, it's not the greatest plan. And it's also unfair to him. He's at his best when he's one of two guys leading the backfield. And you got Alvin, and I get that. But Alvin's probably going to miss some time. So go out there and get a running back. It could be on day day two, and that's probably the day that I would go for it. It could be day three, whatever. But again, there's guys out there, you know. Devin A-Chain is a speedster that they can add. I think he'd be awesome. Zach Charbonnet would be great for uh, the Saints to get him in there. And Charbonnet is the type of guy that, I think he does a little bit of everything. And the only concern I have is he's had a lot of carries. Is that a lot of wear and tear on him? Not sure. But I, I think he does a little bit of everything. Plus, man, we can start cracking some jokes if he ends up on the Saints, right? Runs down the field, trucks a Falcon defender. What happened? Oh, he got a glass of Charbonnet. I like that. I'll make stupid puns all day. I do not care. He's the type of guy that I'd love to see on the Saints. Tajay Spears, the hometown kid, another speedster breakout season this past year with Tulane. Another option there. Zach Evans from Ole Miss. Sean Tucker from uh, Syracuse. Like, there are options in this draft. But I think day two, the Saints can get a playmaker who can make an immediate impact while Alvin's sitting. And that's why I keep talking about that position uh, in high regard. I, I just think it's an important spot for the Saints. So we'll see if they do it there. So I promised a mock draft. I'll keep it pretty simple. I only did... Four rounds, I believe, if my memory serves me correctly. And the reason I did that is because looking at the recent history, especially for the Saints, 
And by recent, I mean recent, like last five years, not like the 2006 draft where you got two steals in the seventh round. That's not happening ever again. I did four, so I'm not sitting there for an hour and a half, but I'm also making sure I get some value. And it started off at 29. I was actually looking to trade up from that 29 spot because I think we have to be realists and understand that Mickey Loomis does not sit on his hands. The man likes to wheel and deal, and he's going to be working those phones. He's going to be working those phones all day long. So I thought about, hey, how's the board shaking up? Can I move? And it got to the point where the Saints are at pick 29, of course. And it's around 23. And I'm looking at the board. And Lucas Van Ness was still there from Iowa. Brian Bercy was still there. And Kalijah Cansey was still there. And I decided to play the game that I don't think people would play in real life because it's too dangerous, but because I'm doing a simulation and there's no cost here. I played it. I said, okay. I think you got five more picks to go. I don't think all three are going to be gone by the time you get to 29. So I said, let's let's roll the dice. And I'll make a trade later on on day two. So I roll the dice. And it's Brian Bercy who ends up falling to 29. And again, as I said before, I would take it. I think he'd be a nice fit for the Saints. Now, you're worried about health? Sure. You're worried about if he's ever going to reach that full ceiling? Okay, I get that. But at 29, to get a, a player of his caliber, his talent, I think it'd be great value and also fits a position of need. So 29... Brian Bercy, the Clemson defensive tackle. Pick 40 is where this thing got hell interesting. And before I say this pick and someone goes, Chris, it's unrealistic, he's not going to 40. I just want us to remember that none of us have a goddamn clue how this draft is going to shake out. And the reason I left this mock draft, although it felt favorable for me in the first three rounds, the reason I left this mock draft is because I, at the end of the day, understand that the draft's unpredictable. And there might be some shit that goes down that we didn't see coming. And all of a sudden, we're going to be looking back and going, man, maybe we shouldn't have just been so head on. You know, this has to happen because someone said so. No one knows. It takes one team to shake up the draft board for everyone. So pick 40. Who do we get? Utah tight end, Dalton Kincaid. Yes, I don't think he's going to be there at 40. Do I care, though? Absolutely not. Because in this mock draft, he's the best player on the board. And yes, he plays tight end. And I know there's concerns about his back. So people might say, Chris, you're going a little high risk, high reward here with Brian Bercy and Dalton Kincaid. And to that, I say, you're absolutely damn right. If he's there at 40, you guys would be livid if the Saints passed up on him. And don't tell me otherwise. It's the truth. It is the absolute truth. It is. Now, I had a decision to make. And to show how unrealistic this mock draft actually was, Jameer Gibbs was also on the board. And I actually went with Dalton Kincaid over Jameer Gibbs because in the third round, I saw that there were a couple running backs that I liked still available. And I decided to play the waiting game and say, I think there's better value in round three, where round three, I probably can't get an elite prospect at tight end like Dalton Kincaid. So let's go to round three. I'm sitting there. I have my eyes on Zach Charbonnet. I think he'd be a great player for the Saints. I think he'd be a good fit. But he gets taken at 62. Saints aren't picking until 70. I decide to call the Broncos, fake call obviously, at 67 and move up. Now, I think it's realistic because the Broncos have back-to-back picks in that range. And you also have to remember that Sean Payton is not going to hang up the phone on Mickey Loomis. He's obviously going to pick that thing up. So I move up just from 70 to 67 to make sure that I get Devin, uh, Devon A-Chain, uh, A-Chain from uh, A&M, the running back. I just think you got to get speed in there. You got to address the position. And at 67, it might be a little bit of a reach. But I was going positional need. I saw a run on running backs. I thought, get him in the building. I actually think he would be an interesting blend with Jamal Williams because he will give you that speed element. Jamal Williams, obviously, is a great goal line back. I think there could be something there, obviously, if the Saints were to get him. So I moved up. Didn't have to give up much to get him. 
And then with pick 115, I went with uh, DeMarvian Overshone from Texas, linebacker. He's an interesting guy. I, look, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything because I don't. But he's one of those players that actually did sit down and watch a pretty good amount. And the fact that he's developed so well despite, despite not having years of experience at linebacker makes me think that with the right coaching, with the Saints have at the linebacker spot, that's the type of prospect the Saints get in their building. I think they can do some damage with him. Might not be your year one. Might not even be year two. But year three might pop. And I remember with Caden Ellis, wasn't really year one, got hurt. Wasn't really year two. And then you got to year four and the kid popped. So position of need, sort of. Demario Davis isn't getting any younger. And also, I kind of just like the idea of getting him in there with Coach Hodges at that linebacker spot. I think the Saints can uh, do some damage in that regard. Now, again, just a mock draft. I do not, I do not know for sure how this whole thing's going to shape out. But I decided to leave it because I do think that there is unpredictability to it. And I think there will be some shocking stuff. Like, we'll probably go into day two going, damn, he's still on the board. He's still on the board. So we'll see what happens. That being said, before I wrap everything up, I just want to remind you guys with the NFL draft coming up, I will be having coverage on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. When the picks are made, you could stay tuned for immediate videos on Boo Crew Media's YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe to that. We'll have a live um, stream right after the end of round one. So if you guys are awake and ready to go, we're going to talk about the Saints then. Um, and then we're also going to have, most likely, depending on how day two goes, if the Saints still have enough picks, we'll talk about it. We'll probably do another live show then. And then we'll recap the whole thing. I just said then about a million times. But it's because we've got a lot to talk about. So stay tuned for more content here on Boot Crew Media's YouTube page, especially Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And of course, make sure to keep it stay, uh, you know, keep it locked in here with the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation. Appreciate the support, guys, and make sure you're on the lookout because, man, we are, I believe, less than 48 hours away from the draft, and all the speculation comes to an end, and we get to see who's the latest member of this 2023 squad. Going to be exciting, man. Let's absolutely get this.